Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, verse 8 and following. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were terribly frightened. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born to you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign unto you. You shall find the baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger." Suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. It came about when the angels had gone away from them into heaven. The shepherds began saying one to another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they came in haste and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen just as had been told them. Tis the season to be jolly. Well, not for a lot of people. In fact, this time of year can trigger about the blues, ignite depression, and bring back to our memories some painful experiences and cause us to ruminate, overly ruminate about what is missing or what is amiss in our lives. According to the National Institute of Health, Christmas is a time of year when people experience sustained blues, even outright depression. There are a lot of theories about why these feelings that you might be having uh, come at the same time as Christmas. And well, some blame it on the fact that the Grinch might be full force. This festive season. Others say it's because it's getting dark earlier and it's cold, seasonal affective disorder, sad as they call it. All those things certainly might be true, but the reality is we seem to have unrealistic expectations and experience excessive self-reflection during the holidays. Unrealistic expectations and excessive self-reflection during holidays. I think I heard the first Christmas carol in October this year. Ah, you may love it, but I don't love it that early. It makes me feel behind. Uh, it's Christmas already, and I feel rushed and unprepared, and I've not turned to that chapter in life's book yet, and it's October, and you're singing Christmas carols on the radio. 
Then there's a study recently published in the Wall Street Journal, Jason Marsh and Dacker Keltner, professors at the University of California, Berkeley, report in the journal that the more materialistic we become, the less satisfied we are with Christmas. That the more materialistic we become in our focus, the less satisfying the simple joy of Christmas is to us. The more we expect to get, the more we experience negative emotions and have less meaning in our lives. As our materialism, as a culture progresses, the professors say gratitude and life satisfaction have an equal decrease. As we become more focused on money and things and this need to be fully satisfied, well, then our, our gratitude wanes along with those desires. The reality is we have no idea, even in this room, those watching by way of television this morning, we have no idea what weighs our brother down this morning. And for some, the burden can actually feel heavier during this hap, 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 happy holidays that they're supposed to be experiencing. Just recently, and I won't describe the setting any more than this, I was with 10 people, and in this setting, it was appropriate for people to share their burdens in life, burdens past, and burdens present. And these 10 folks were every Sunday church-going folks. They were employed professionals, and they appeared to be completely happy on the outside. And when they began to open up and share about difficulties of the past, in these 10 church-going folks, this is what I heard even weeks ago, multiple divorces in their family, suicidal thoughts in the mind of some, drug addictions, prison time, sexual abuse, eating disorders, and painful abortions of the past. You never know what is behind the Christmas facade of the folks in the room right beside you on the Advent Sunday of joy. I was reminded when I heard all these burdens that my friends were bearing that behind that Christian Christmas veneer, we have wounded people, wounded by the past and wounded by the present. It's so easy to dread Christmas in some ways. You know it should be a, a happy time, family and food and friends and festivities. And yet somehow you don't feel like that inside and maybe even you're numb. For some, Christmas 2016 will be the first Christmas since your divorce and now you're having to divide up the children with your ex-spouse's family and that just seems so painful for the first time. And others are facing that empty chair at the Christmas table. She was in her place last year. He was in his place last year. Your husband, your wife, your mother, your father, heaven forbid, a child or a grandchild, that chair is empty in 2016, and the weight and the burden of that loss is there. 
Still others find themselves in a financial crisis or unemployment at their doorstep, and their spirit is still something less than the holiday bliss we're all supposed to have. I want to give you four words of advice for realistic expectations for, for Christmas. First word is realize. The first word for Christmas is realize. Realize you are not alone. The Hallmark holiday doesn't really exist for anyone. Did you know that only 25% of Americans live in what we call a traditional family structure anymore? Only 25%. And of course, living in that structure doesn't mean that they're any more happy than anyone else. And so realize you are not alone. A poor me attitude always results when you compare your actual holiday circumstances with the illusion of that picturesque, carefree Christmas. Set your expectations too high, assume everybody else has it better than you, and you will always be disappointed. From the time we're children, we begin to build up these great expectations for Christmas what Christmas should be or could be, don't we? In the media, we see these perfect images of families and friends, food and parties and guests. And, well, of course, all of these are staged scenes, are they not? There is nothing in this world wrong with not having a perfect holiday gathering or a perfect Christmas meal. You won't give perfect gifts, and they will always be appreciated with the gratitude you imagined as you spent all the time picking them out. You will not always receive the perfect gifts either, will you? You might be disappointed. Uh, Last Christmas, these were my two gifts from my family. I got a pillow. Seemed like an odd Christmas gift for me, not only was it a pillow, it was rock hard pillow. It was, I, I swear it came from the Fred Flintstone scene. It, it was chiseled out rock. And I, I tried to be a good sport and I slept on it one night and I realized there'd be a neck surgery if I did that another night. And I just said, you know, I, the thought was good. And then I got a pair of grandpa slippers. I'm not a grandpa. How old do you have to be to get house shoes for Christmas? I mean, what were my kids thinking? The gifts will not always be the wonderful things that you expect, and you have to take them with the grace and forgiveness as you receive them. If your mother criticized you when you were in the fifth grade, she's going to criticize you when you're 50. If your mother criticized you when you were in the fifth grade, she's going to criticize you when you're 50. And she's going to criticize you at Christmas. Remember this holiday that you cannot control anyone else's actions and words. You can only control how you respond to the actions and words of others. Are you with me? You can't control what anybody else in your family might say or do. You can only control what you say or do in return. Oh, yes, your brother's going to brag and your mother's going to manipulate and your cousin's going to be incessant babbling at the table. It will make you bonkers. Welcome to the holidays just around the corners. Lower your expectations. 
Remember, things are going to go wrong, are they not? Your kids are going to get dirty and they're going to make too much noise and you're going to forget to buy the batteries for that Christmas morning gift and, well, you're not going to take the turkey out in time to properly thaw and the cookies are going to be burnt on the bottom again this year because you're cooking something else on the stove and you always forget and they're a little brown. We'll eat them anyway and the planes are going to be delayed and relatives, well, they might not even show up. Doesn't sound too bad, does it? And, and some of your closest friends and family are going to be busy at other parties, and they might not even make it to your house this year. About the time you put on that white Christmas dress, the dog with dirty paws will jump on you. It's going to happen. Just face it with grace. Disappointments and discouragements will happen all throughout the holidays. And if you expect things to be perfect, you're going to be frustrated. I want you to realize, the first word is realize, this is a norm. You are not alone. And sometimes when hardships come our way and we pout and we whine, we imagine we are the only person in the world who's not having that picturesque, perfect Christmas. Don't have the spirit of Elijah. You remember Elijah? He was in that cave at Horeb, and God asked him what he was doing there. Well, let me set the scene. You remember, he just had the showdown with the prophets of Baal, 450 at Mount Carmel. And, well, Elijah was tired of the people hedging their bets, and he said, okay, let's have it this way. If Yahweh is God, worship him. If Baal is God, Worship Baal. You can't have it both ways. Let's see, showdown time, who is God? You remember they built two altars, one there and one here. They, they put the wood on the altar and they put the bulls on the altar. And the prophets of Baal, Elijah said, you guys go first. You remember they prayed and they danced and they pranced. They even cut themselves trying to call upon their gods to ignite the fire to prove that their God was the real God. But nothing happened. Not a spark, not even smoke. Then Elijah said, well, let's challenge Yahweh. Put some water on it. Put some water on it again. Yet a third time, pour water over the wood and the bullock. They put stones around it, had a trench of water there. And Elijah said a prayer that they may know that you are God and I am your prophet. At night, the altar, boom, the fire came. It burned the bull. It burned the wood. It burned the stones, the dust, and licked up the water. And the people said, oh, we've been wrong. Yahweh is the Lord. And Elijah ordered them to kill the 450 failing prophets of Baal. And then Queen Jezebel said to Elijah, sent word, as you did to my prophets, I'm going to do to you. So Elijah, who just defeated the 450, is on the run from the queen, and he comes, to the pro he comes to the cave at Horeb, and he's pouting, and he says to God, I'm the only one that's left. I am the only one that's still following you. Poor me, he said. And God said, well, I've done, done some counting myself, and I, I've come up with 7,000 other who have not bowed the knee to Baal, 7,000 others. And Elijah says, yeah, but if you don't count the 7,000, I'm the only one left to, <laughs> to follow you. 
You are not alone. You are not alone in your disappointments. You are not alone in your pity party. You are not alone. The second word is refuse. Refuse to let the troubles rob you of Christmas hope. When I, I think about Christmas, I, I think about those main characters. We have a stonemason or a carpenter with a teenage bride. They're very poor folk. And we have lowly shepherds who are the first ones to, to hear the angels sing. We have an old man, Simeon, and an old woman, Anna. It's a motley crew that's the stars of Christmas. Christmas hope comes in spite of our troubles. Christmas hope comes in the midst of our agony. While the Jewish community suffered most terribly in WW2, there were some Christians who were persecuted as well. There were some Polish prisoners recalled Christmas Eve in Auschwitz. These Polish believers spent not one Christmas, but five Christmas Eves in the camp, Auschwitz German camp. 1940 was the first one. December the 24th, the Nazis set up a Christmas tree, put in plug-in lights, had it illuminated, and they put corpses around the tree as if to make mockery of the Christians who were imprisoned. In 1941, the Russian prisoners who weren't able to walk on their own, they were killed by the Germans. 300 killed that Christmas day, again to make sure the Christians had a, a terrible day on Christmas Eve. Despite the death of those prisoners, the, the Christian prisoners began to celebrate the arrival of the Christ child in their cell. In Block 10a, the singing of German carols began to echo within the prisons. And then like the waves of the sea came the powerful words of a Polish carol, God is born, the powers will tremble. There were warm embraces and tears despite the barbed wire and the bars. Such grand moment never fades from one's memory and Christmas, Joseph Jedrick says, is ever fixed in my heart and in my mind. That same Christmas, Block 25 smuggled in a little Christmas tree. And in 1942, the Germans set up the mocking tree again and stacked a heap of corpses underneath it. But in Block 18a, a Roman Catholic priest who was a prisoner took some crumbs of bread and they had, they, they celebrated the Lord's Supper right there with crumbs of bread in the cell. In 1943, the Christmas Eve observances were not as harsh as before, but hope was still hard to find. And then in Christmas Eve 1944, everything was completely different and the days of the Third Reich were numbered the prisoner priest, Father Wadslow Gross de Rosenberg, celebrated a midnight mass with those who had spent now five Christmas Eves at Auschwitz. They even gave little handmade gifts to the children. Finally, January the 27th, 1945, freedom was given to the prisoners who had been able to survive that hellish nightmare for five Christmas Eves. Now, what's our excuse for not celebrating Christmas? What is it that's so big in your life that you won't have Christmas joy? 
third word is remember. Remember, the Christ child came to suffer alongside us. He did not come to remove our troubles. The Christ child came to suffer alongside us. He did not come to remove our troubles. The coming of the Christ child embodies the idea that God put on flesh. He also experiences our hardships and our pain. He's hungry with a human desire to eat. He tells the woman at the well that he is thirsty, that he thirsts and he needs a drink of water. He weeps at the death of Lazarus, a dear friend. His body is split asunder by the, the crack of the Roman whip and by the fist of the Roman soldiers. John describes Christmas this way, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus didn't come to, to make life carefree for you at Christmas. Rather, he came to show that he too knows our pain and our loneliness. Is there any more lonely spot than hanging on a cross saying, My God, my God, why have even you forsaken me? Paul put it this way. He emptied himself, taking on the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men. Here's a fourth and final word. It's the word rejoice. Rejoice. Rejoice in the real message of Christmas. Long before Madison Avenue was pitching a, a perfect party and a model Christmas, the angels made the declaration, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people everywhere. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This shall be a sign to you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in the manger. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. If we understand Christmas rightly, there's nothing can take our joy away. We are sinners and we need a Savior. And God has sent His Son, the Bethlehem baby, to show us how to live and to show us how to die. And in fact, to die in our place. That with His death, death itself dies. I know in a room with this many people, the, the burdens are myriad. I know that behind the the Christmas holiday veneer that we could take any 10 people in this room just like I experienced with those 10 people this week and we'd have our own stories. Death, divorce, disappointment, pain, sorrow, depression, eating disorders, misuse of drugs. Any 10 in this room and to all the word comes. Glory to God in the highest. A child is born. Let us pray. Indeed, O oh God, our joy is not marketing deep. Our joy is deeper than that. It's a joy that cannot be stopped in a prison camp. It's a joy that cannot be taken away because there's an empty place at the table. In fact, it is the birth of that child that makes that empty seat bearable. 
Indeed, it is the Sunday of joy and not a Sunday of sadness to say that come what may in our own lives, the Christ child is here and nothing can stop him. Amen.